Hey, everybody, how's it going? Um, we are going to get started on our workshop, which is entitled Pre-Marketing. Um, I just want to say that I'm really excited to do this workshop. I've been trying to get it together for like about three months, and I'm finally excited to finally be here. Um, so I hope that it is valuable to you. I hope that um, it will help you get an idea and understanding of how you can set up your marketing for your book long before the book is ever published, long before it's maybe even written. That's just going to depend on you. Um, okay, so before we get started, you know, I'm sure there's still people trickling in and all of that. Let me do a couple of... Um, just kind of housekeeping things. My tech decided to freak out on me just a little bit. So actually let me know in the chat in the comments if you can hear me. You should be able to, I think I got it figured out. But I'm using two different screens for the tech. And so if I'm kind of looking this way a lot, it's because I'm looking at two different screens to make sure everything's working okay, all right? Just so you know. <laughs> um, the other thing is that when you leave comments, um, because I'm using a service called StreamYard, which is a third-party service from um, Facebook, they are required to get permission to show your name to me. So if you go into the um, the actual post that, that this is where you're watching the video, at the bottom it will say something about giving permissions to StreamYard. You can just right-click that and open it in a new tab and give them permission to show your name. Um, that way you don't have to actually navigate away from the video. And all that really is doing is allowing me to see your name. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I'm not even sure what it says. I, yeah, okay, here we go, Facebook user. Thank you, Raven, for telling me that you can hear me. That's very helpful. Um, so yeah, there are several other that are saying loud and clear, I can hear you, but it just says Facebook user. So if you go in and give the permissions for Facebook to show you my name, that'll just make it easier for me to talk to you when you leave comments. Um, <laughs> what is that cartoon where the superhero says, and I love you, random citizen? <laughs> I can't even think of what that's called, but um, that's kind of how I feel. I just like, uh, great question, random author who's in my workshop. So anyway, it would just make it easier for me if you give your permission, but it is entirely up to you. Um, I will still be able to see your comment, just maybe not your name. Okay, um, so a couple of other things to keep in mind. Um, I will be, I will have a free PDF for you at the end of this training. I will give you the URL for it. So if you want that, stay to the end and I'll tell you as we get into the training what it's going to be so you can decide if you're interested in that. Um, and, oh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Free PDF, oh, um, there will be quote unquote homework, um, but it's really just going to be you commenting in the comments of this um, video that I'm doing. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give away a gift card, just a random drawing to people, to somebody who um, does the homework and comments. So that's just another thing to keep in mind. If you want to be in the running for the gift card, you'll have to do the homework and comment it on this video. And it's just gonna be like picking a number between you know however many people comment, but if you wanna be in the running, you gotta do the homework, okay? So um, with that said, <laughs> and again, forgive me for kind of looking every which way at my different screens, um, let's go ahead and get started on pre-marketing. In fact, I'm going to make my presentation a little bit bigger here. There we go. Um, so as you know, this workshop is about effective marketing outside of paid ads. Now, let me start by saying that I do think that paid ads are important, yes, I do use them as an author, and I definitely think you should use them. But at the same time, they're just one branch of your overall marketing plan. Too many people decide that they are the foundation of the marketing plan and end up throwing money at them, and that's never a good idea. All right, so um, the other thing about paid ads is that they are also getting more and more expensive. I'm going to talk about this more on Thursday, but there are some things going on right now in the online ad space 
that is changing the entire landscape, okay? And that's important to understand. So they're going to be changing a lot over the next three to six months and, and probably beyond. But what it really boils down to for us authors is that they are getting more expensive per click. And that makes it more difficult for us to be profitable, especially because our books don't cost very much. It's much easier for entrepreneurs who are selling $100 products to, to be profitable, but we have to deal in volume because our books do not cost that much. So the only way that CPC ads are going to work for you is if they are only kind of the top tier of a very solid marketing plan. Um, let me uh, go over the lingo real fast for anybody who uh, doesn't know. CPC stands for cost per click, and that just means you pay per click. So that's most of the ads that we as authors do. It's Facebook ads, Amazon ads, um, BookBub ads, which can be a little different, but basically the same thing, okay? So most of you are here because you don't have a lot of money to spend on ads, and believe me, I hear you. I was there for like eight years, okay? And um, you know, you want to find ways to market that is not gonna break the bank, right? That's probably why most of you are here. And that's what we're gonna talk about over the next three days. So let me first introduce myself. Uh, my name is Liesl K. Hill. I am, I've been an author for more than 10 years now. Um, as you can see, I write three, really kind of four different genres. Um, this is actually kind of an old banner. I'm also a USA Today bestselling author, which helped happened relatively recently for me. Um, and so as you can see, I have been around the block a few times. <laughs> I, I've been in the online, um, you know, fiction author space for quite a while. I follow a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I do have a pretty good feel for what's happening in the space and how things are changing. The other thing that I do is I am a story clarity coach, which just means basically I'm a novelist who helps other novelists be good and efficient at being novelists, okay? I coach other people to get their books written, that sort of thing. I have clients, we'll talk about that later, and what I do for my clients, but it's really about getting repeatable systems in place so that you're setting yourself up for um, success when it comes to being a lifelong author. And a big chunk of that, of course, is marketing, um, which is getting your books in front of the right people, but there's so much more than that to marketing, okay? if This is probably going to freak a few of you out, but I have to tell you, if you write your entire book and then start marketing, you're doing it wrong. And I can promise you that that is at least some of the reason why your ads are so expensive and why your books are not selling as well as they as you would like them to. Okay, but we are going to get into all of that as we go, you know, through the next three days of the workshop. All right. So this is what I want you to kind of envision here. Visualize this pyramid, which you have right in front of you, and lots of authors, as you can see. <laughs> They like to throw money, as I said, at paid ads as the bottom tier of their pyramid, okay? Um, the bottom of the pyramid, the bottom level is the base, right? It's the thing that has to be the largest, the heaviest, and the most stable. If you throw money at paid ads and try to use that as your base of marketing, your pyramid's gonna topple every single time, okay? Lots of authors try to do this and it doesn't work. Paid ads cannot be your foundation. Again, I'm not saying paid ads are bad or that you shouldn't use them. You absolutely should. I actually think that they are a really important key to a successful marketing plan, but you have to use them correctly and not as your foundation. So what is your foundation then? Let's go through this. It's the writing, really. It's your story craft. Now, I'm not going to get 
hugely into Storycraft in this um, particular workshop, but we are going to talk about it a little bit tomorrow. Um, most uh, most people will you'll hear them say I'm sure you've heard this in the space that the best marketing you can do for your book is to write another book, and I absolutely agree with that. That's true. However. I'm going to just add a little something to that. And that is that the best marketing you can do for your book is to write an awesome book, first of all, for that first book, and then to write an awesome book for the second book. Because if you're writing kind of mediocre stories, that's not going to help your marketing. Okay, so Storycraft is going to be your foundation, making sure that you write an excellent, excellent book that people love. And that is something that I teach and can help you with. The second level is going to be your email marketing. And again, this is something that you've probably heard in the space. This is not new. You know that your list is going to be your, I don't want to say your foundation because I already said that uh, Storycraft is your foundation, but it's going to be your most important asset when it comes to selling your books. Okay. So that's level two. Level three is actually fluid marketing. And the reason I call it that is because it's going to change based on how many books you have in your backlist. This is another thing that we'll talk about in more detail on Thursday, but there is a certain amount of marketing you can do that is going to change based on your catalog. So it's going to change based on your genre, but it's also going to change based on whether you have between zero and three books out or whether you have 10 to 15 books out. Those are very, very different. And that's part of the reason people have trouble with marketing, because no matter how many books they have, they're trying to market the same way. And what works for someone with a huge backlist is not going to work for someone that only has their first book out. So that's something that you need to keep in mind. Okay. Um, and then of course we have paid ads. Um, do you see why it's such a big problem when authors try to use this as their, their foundation? Um, this is why their pyramid, a lot of times marketing falls, follow, falls over. Sorry. Um, when that happens, authors tend to throw up their hands and say, okay, you just can't make money at writing fiction, but nothing could be further from the truth. It's just that they're doing it wrong. And I don't say that with any judgment. Of course, it's just that they have never been taught how to do it right. It's, it's kind of an ignorance thing. So. As I've already said, um, despite being a, a small part of your marketing plan, I do think the paid ads are integral to your success, but you just have to know when to implement them and how. And that's something that most people skip. They want to learn how, and, and maybe they do. Maybe they do buy the courses. Maybe they do attend the workshops as you're doing, but nobody's teaching them when to implement them and when specifically not to implement them. And that's, like I said at the beginning, becoming more of a problem as the ads landscape changes. Okay. So. You certainly um, don't want to be throwing money down the toilet, you, right? We, we don't want to be doing that. That's too hard. It's not sustainable. Well, the way you guard against that is to make sure that the different levels of your marketing are in place. You have to have a very strong foundation. You have to do work on the front end to set things up so that when you get to the paid ads, they will work for you. If you don't do the work beforehand and make sure that your foundation for marketing is strong, you're just going to be throwing money down the toilet. And of course, nobody wants that. All right. So there are three things that you need to be, you need in order to be successful as an author in the long term. Three things to be a career author, if you will. The first is belief that you can succeed as a career author. Okay. That is something that um, you will have to find within yourself and believe. If you don't believe you can succeed, you won't succeed, period. The next thing is a willingness to do the work to get everything prepared ahead of time. Just like writing your book, you have to get the book written ahead of time before you can start making sales, right? There are other things too that you need to be able to do the work on the front end. And yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time to set things up, but it just amazes me how many authors say, 
I don't want to deal with that. I don't have time for that. So I'm not going to do it. And they're crippling themselves in the long run. Even if it takes a little bit of time, once you get it set up properly, it will run in the background and you won't have to worry about it again. So why not set yourself up for success now, right? Um, the third thing, of course, is the know-how um, of what to do to make all of this happen, right? I went through all the tiers, the four tiers of the pyramid, and a big part of that is knowing how to set that up, right? And that might be what you're looking for. Um, what I can tell you is that, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit too fast, that's okay. I, can, I cannot help you with the first two of those things. Let me go, let me go back. The belief in yourself and the willingness to do the work, the work ethic, that has to come from you. I cannot give you that, okay? But if you can cultivate that in yourself, I can give you the know-how of how to do it. That is what I teach. And that is what we're going to be going over in this workshop. I mean, to some extent, you have to be accountable for your own writing. I cannot come to your home and hold a gun to your head and make you write, right? I mean, that wouldn't be helpful anyway because, you know, aside from the moral question, all that would do is make you seize up and then you wouldn't be able to write anything anyway, okay? Anytime we're under stress, the creative muse kind of goes away. So that would not be helpful. But the point is you have to do your part and be willing to cultivate these things in and of yourself. And I can meet you where you are and give you the know-how to do that. Okay, so let me ask you some questions in general about marketing. How have your marketing efforts gone thus far? Can you tell me in the chat, have you like, these are just kind of some different things that people tell me they've marketed, but they haven't seen very many results, or maybe they saw results, but they couldn't scale them. And maybe they felt a little uh, car salesman-y afterward, or maybe you've never marketed at all because you don't know how, you don't know how to approach it. So can you just tell me in the comments or in the chat how your marketing efforts have gone thus far, or do you have any particular experience with marketing? Erica says, lousy, invisible in plain sight and no money to market. Yep, I've been there, Erica, I get it. Um, basically done everything wrong, LOL, yeah. No, hey, I've been there, we've all done stuff wrong, for sure. Anybody else? Sorry, there's a little bit of a delay on the, on the chat. Uh, Scarlett says, good and bad, don't know how to scale. Linda says, she's never done much because she doesn't know how. HC has had her ups and downs. C for effort, F for results. See, that's really interesting because that's how most of us are. We, we try super hard and we just don't understand why we're not getting results. Um, used deal sites, but those sales only lasted for a week or two. Okay, yeah, that's very, that's very common. You get a little bit of a spike and then it kind of goes away. Newsletter is definitely your best one, Nicole. I agree. Um, you're getting your backlist built up and you're waiting to market. That's, hey, that's smart. Might have been okay. All right. Okay, so good. So you guys, you you really have been in the trenches a little bit and you kind of know what I'm talking about here, right? It's very easy to try. And I, I really think that most authors do try, but we're kind of, it really is kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall um, because <laughs> you don't know what's going to work. You don't know what's going to get results. And so it just kind of ends up being a mishmash that kind of works and kind of doesn't. And when you start out, you don't have a whole lot of money to put into marketing. It would be great if we had a thousand dollars a month to test things, but most of us don't have that when we start out. So it's really hard, you know. I've been there. I understand. Um, so get on to my next one. There are some things that I really want you to understand um, as we get into this. I am going to give you some tips today that will help you 
basically create an audience for your book even before you hit publish, okay? You can nurture and create an audience that's waiting for your book before it's even done being written or published. Now, I know that a lot of you already have a few books out and that's fine. You can start doing this at any time with the books you already have. And if you already have some, so much the better because you can market them now. And I'm gonna teach you how to do that. Um, but I want you to understand a few principles and this has to do with um, what I said before about how the ads landscape is changing. The first thing you have to understand is that organic is dead. There are still so many people that can that tell you that you can build an audience organically without, usually what they say is without paid ads. And I know that sounds a little bit weird because that's what I'm doing this workshop on. But what I mean by organic, I don't think organic really is about paid ads or not paid ads. It's about people, what it really means in terms of social media is that somebody used to follow you, say on Facebook or Instagram, and then when they would scroll through their feed, they would see everybody they followed in chronological order of them posting, right? So that was organically, they could go through and see everything that you posted. That is not the case anymore. And it's really not a matter of, um, you, you know, if you're thinking that, well, I know the competition is fierce, but if I just do X, Y, and Z, I'll still get, it'll be a slower build, but I'll still get there. No, that's really not the case anymore either. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. The, the way that the algorithms work now, they actually um, penalize you for not spending money. Everything is monetized, okay? So believe me, <laughs> I was for a while trying to build an audience on Instagram and I was doing it organically and I just was getting nowhere for every person, you know, every time I, I posted and somebody followed me, two would unfollow. So it was just staying at a really even you know, level. And I mean, I think I got like 50 people, but what is 50 people? And you can't grow audiences of thousands of people anymore organically. So that's not a bad thing. I don't want that to scare you. Don't think that that's something that's going to cripple us as authors. You just have to understand that and get on board. Okay. Everything is monetized now. And I'm going to teach you how to, you know, basically leverage that on a budget and we're going to use things other than ads to do that. But even if we're using things other than ads, it's really important you understand that organic is dead. Okay. Just the sooner you accept that, we can move forward with solutions. Okay. But there are tested, tried, and true strategies that absolutely do exist and that you can leverage, even if you don't have any money for marketing. Um, <laughs> this third little quote, this is a this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So several years ago, I went and I um attended a conference that uh, had a, what do you call it, a session, I guess, that was called this. It was called How to Become a Bestseller Overnight or How It Took Me 10 Years to Get Paid. It was um, put on by Michael Brent Collins, who is an internationally bestselling author. And his point basically was that when someone breaks out, it seems like it's overnight. It seems like we can do what they did and just achieve instant success. But for most people, that's not the case. It's actually very common these days for it to take a good 10 years for an author career to really take off. And the reason for that is that it takes them that long floundering around to figure out what works and put it into practice. And that is what I actually try to help people get past. It, it really did take me about 10 years to figure it all out. Okay, so I am right in there with most people. But I now teach people what works now in 2021 so that they can sort of shortcut through all of that and not be floundering around for 10 years. Okay. But it's just something that you need to understand as we move into the marketing discussions. Okay. 
how to email your list. What we're basically going to talk about today, it is going to be about email marketing tips. Now, I know that there are quite a few authors in here. Um, sorry, I'm just kind of looking at some comments. Somebody says that it's echoing. I don't know if that's true of everyone else. That could be my two screens, and I, um, I have one of my mics muted, but try muting your mic and see if that takes care of the echo. Okay, um, so as I was saying, I know that there are authors in here who already have big lists and who have already been um, emailing their list, but I'm what I have found out, and I'll, I'll go into this a little bit more, is that from an entrepreneurial standpoint, most of us authors are not doing it correctly. Okay, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, back when I, you know, years ago, when I started out as an author, I bought several of the kind of mainstream go-to books that talk about how authors should email their list. I followed all of their advice. I set up my, um, you know, my email responder and my lead magnet, and I did an introduction, the introductory emails. And I'm not going to say it didn't work. It, it did work. You know, it, it was getting me results. And it was working about the way that the authors who wrote those books said it should work. Okay. So I'm not going to say that there wasn't any value in that. However, a couple of years ago, I ventured into the entrepreneurial space. Okay. So I'm not talking about authors. I'm talking about seven and eight figure entrepreneurs who are teaching how to sell massive amounts of products and services. And of course, that is a little different than our books because as I said before, they have a much bigger profit margin. However, the principles of entrepreneurship work across the board, okay? In terms of pricing, we definitely have to tweak a little bit, but in terms of the actual principles and how to do things, what works for the gurus, what works for people who are selling, you know, thousand dollar exercise equipment will still work for us. Okay. In terms of the marketing, building our audience, all of that. And what I found is that there are a lot of principles, email marketing and other principles, but we're focusing on email marketing today that are not being taught in the fiction author space, or at the very least, they're not being taught dominantly. Maybe there's someone somewhere that I never came across that's teaching them, but they're being mentioned here and there and not emphasized. And that's a big problem, okay? We need to be emulating this because these are the principles of how you succeed as an entrepreneur. And we like to call ourselves authorpreneurs, right? This is what we do, okay? So there's a lot of things that are not being taught, or at least not very well, that will help authors succeed. So once I started learning this, once I started learning from these people, I started implementing them for me and for my list, and I was amazed at the difference that it made. Okay. So I had all these, whoa, I didn't know that moment, you know, just like these, this little kid here, cute little kid. Once you understand, it's kind of like not knowing what you didn't know. Once you understand what you didn't know before, it's very, very eye opening. So the first thing I want to tell you as an author is you've got to stop being afraid to email your list. This is something that cripples most authors. Okay. You've got to be stop being afraid to email your list. And I understand. I get it. I was there too. For the first probably year, I had an email list. I had like 30 people on it. And most of them I knew. Most of them worked with me and just signed up to my list. That's really hard um, because you don't, the biggest thing that we run into is we, we're, we're afraid to email our list because we don't want to bug them. Right. And in terms of the list being full of people we know, or only a few people, there's there's actually a little something to that. You know, most of the time, even though the people that we know, our friends, our family, our coworkers, they're 
really behind us, you know, for our writing. They're our cheerleaders. They want us to succeed, but they don't necessarily want to be marketed to, right? They're not our ideal readers. And most of them might not even be big readers. We need to be targeting people who are the big readers, who are, do want to receive our emails. Let's put it that way. But what I want you to do is to stop being afraid of this. Even if, well, let's put it this way. You'll get to the point where your list is big enough that every single email you send, you're going to get a couple of unsubscribes. You need to stop being uncomfortable with that. Okay. Industry standard. I don't even know what the unsubscribe rate is. It's like less than 1%. Okay. But let's, let's put it this way. Even if every single email you send, let's say 2% of them unsubscribe. That's very common. But if you build your list the way that I'm going to show you to build your list, you will have so many more people on it than the 2% that unsubscribe. Okay. So it's not going to make a dent. It's not going to be any big deal at all. And I can tell you that because of the way that I build and nurture my list, my unsubscribe rate, I do get unsubscribes with every single email I send, but it's way below that. It's like 0.3% or something. It's, it's really, really small. And that's nothing to worry about. That is completely normal. So you need to get on board with that and stop being uncomfortable emailing your list. The other thing is that unsubscribes are actually qualifying themselves. And what I mean by that is that you know, even if say you are a major emailer, you email them two or three times a week. Okay. I know most authors don't do that, but let's just say you do. If you have somebody who is so annoyed, so uncomfortable with you emailing them a handful of times every month that they don't want to be on your list, that's a good thing. They get themselves off your list and you do not want an email on your list that isn't going to serve you, you know, of someone who is never going to buy a single book from you. Here's the thing, guys, we, we have it in our heads probably because of the way email started, that every single person in the world looks at every single email we send and that we will be bothering them if we email them too much. That is not true anymore. Okay. Maybe it, back in 2012, it, it might've been somewhat true, but people are so inundated with email now. Most of them do not check all of their emails. And even if they do, they know that you are an author. They know that you are here to sell books. So they respect you for that and they they want to support you. And so even if they're not interested in buying this book or they're not interested in reading every single email, the vast majority of them, if they're not interested, will delete the email but stay on the list because they do want to hear from you. And they're really not judging you for sending so many emails. Okay, so we've got to get we've got to get that out of our heads that emailing them a lot or very often is a bad thing. I promise it isn't. Okay. So what emails do you want to send? Now, let me start by saying, I'm not going to go into how to build a list here. Um, that is something that I can teach, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that you already know how to use a lead magnet and use sites like BookFunnel and Story Origin to build your list. If you don't know how to do that, um, you can just Google those things. If, if you want to know how to do that, Google book funnel, Google lead magnet. There are a thousand and one tutorials that will show you how to do it. Okay. Because most authors can figure that part out. What they can't figure out is what to send their list. They usually the kind of standard practice is that we, um, send, you know, a handful of introductory emails where we tell them who we are and what we write and what to expect from being on our list. Maybe ask them to be on your, um, review team or, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. And then after that, all we ever send is live emails, like newsletters about current events and when our books go on sale and things like that. Now there's nothing wrong with that. That is exactly what I did for a long time. And, and I still do those things, but <laughs> 
excuse me. Like I said, there is a better way to nurture your list. I am really big on not just reaching out to the audience that already exists, but actually creating your own mega fans. Because we all have to start with the audience that's already out there, right? The people who read the genre that we write. But it is very possible, and it happens all the time, guys, I promise, that somebody gets on your list because of a free book they got or because of a promo that you did. And so they get on your list, but they're not really planning on buying much from you. They just, you know, got on for whatever reason. But if you email them correctly, if you nurture them with your email list, pretty soon they're going to be more loyal to you. You're actually cultivating that loyalty. They're going to be more interested in your books. Um, have you guys heard of the seven touches of marketing? That has a lot to do with this. It, it very often takes someone seven times seeing something, a product, a book in our case, before they're interested in buying it. So if you put them on your list and then only email them once, three months later when your book comes out, the chances of them buying are extremely low. But if you have nurtured them, gotten them loyal to you, told them things about the book, introduced them to your characters, they've gotten used to your tone of voice, they've gotten used to hearing from you, slowly over time, they are genuinely going to become interested in buying your books. Okay. That is what is called nurturing your audience or creating your own fans. And that's what you need to do. That's what you should be doing with your email list. But that sort of thing is not really taught in the author space. I mean, yes, that is what we're doing when we're sending newsletters every week, but it's just so passive. It's not, we're not being very intentional. And there are people in the entrepreneurial space who have shown us how to Oh, what's the word for it? How to write emails that specifically reach out and touch the psychology of the people on your list and will naturally make them gravitate toward you and toward your books. Okay, so that is what I want to teach you to do. So what I teach my clients is that there are actually seven different emails that I send in sequence. Okay, genre reinforcement, popularity, FYI, recommendation about your book, poll and ask. And I actually forgot to put it in the slide, but the about your book, I usually send three of those in a row. So that means there's actually nine emails totally total in the sequence um, that you send. And all that I do, and guys, this is what you have to set up on the front end so that this is happening in the background and you don't have to put any extra work into it after that. Create, say five or six different genre reinforcement emails, five or six different popularity emails of each one, right? And then you can use your email responder to, you know, figure out how often you want to send them out. If you want to send them out every week, you can do that. If you want to send them out every two weeks, you can do that. If you want to send them out, you know, every two weeks and on the off week, you send a newsletter that's up to date. You can do that. You can do whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable doing. But the point is, if you can set this up in advance, you will be nurturing your email list in the background. Yeah, it's going to take, you know, a few days, maybe a couple of weeks to get everything set up on the front end. But forevermore, <laughs> you will be nurturing your email list in the background without any more work from you, which frees you up to do your writing. Okay, so you have to be, like I said, willing to do the work on the front end to set yourself up for success in the long run. <clears throat> Excuse me. The other thing that's great about this is specifically the about your book emails. Um, those I did not get from the entrepreneurial space because, like I said, they are not necessarily authors. I added those because that is how about your book emails are how you're going to guide your list through your backlist. You're going to tell them about each of your books, what to read when, maybe what order to read them in. Now, you, of course, have no guarantee that everybody's going to read them. 
But entrepreneurialism is really a numbers game. You know, if you can figure out what percentage of people are going to buy, then you can use that to scale. And that is another part of what I teach. So we are not going to have the time to go through all seven emails today, but I'm going to give you two of them. And remember at the beginning, I said, if you stay till the end, I will give you a free PDF. The PDF is going to be um, the descriptions of these emails and also uh, blank templates that you can use so that you can take those and incorporate this into your email sequence right away if that's something you're interested in doing. So first, we're going to talk about genre reinforcement emails. This is one of my favorite kinds of emails to send. And let me say up front, you will not have any buy links or anything about your specific book in these emails. Genre reinforcement is basically letting them know that they're in the right place. Okay, You can talk about things like tropes, characters, situations, anything unique to your genre. So basically, these emails are saying, do you love X, Y, and Z? If, if you are you know, as much of a nerd about this as I am, then you are in the right place because that's what we love here. Okay, so let me give you an example. Maybe you write romance. Um, and, and like I say, one of my favorite ones to do is the guilty pleasure email. So I actually get, um, I write crime fiction. That's one of mine. And I get a lot of people kind of doing the whole, what's a nice girl like you doing writing about serial killers? Because there's a lot of people who can't do the crime fiction thing because it freaks them out too much. But people who love crime fiction, they love that stuff. So <clears throat> pick something maybe that people in your genre kind of get heat for, you know, people that don't like the genre, the reasons they don't like it, but then say to your, to your readers, do you love to read about this sort of thing? That's great because I do too. That's what I write and it's what I geek out about and it's what I love to read and then go on and on about it. You know, it's going to be something that is specific to your genre. And what that does is it, makes them loyal to you. It lets them know that they're in the right place, that you and your list are their tribe and that they don't need to feel bad or feel guilty about what they're already reading. Okay. So it's important to know that the genre reinforcement emails, you're not giving them permission to change. You're giving them permission to be exactly who they already are. You're giving them permission to read exactly what they love to read. Now, if you have somebody who isn't a great fit for you, and they're answering no to all of those questions. No, I don't like to read that. That isn't my thing. They're probably going to hop off your list, but that's okay because they were never going to buy your book to begin with. But the people who are your ideal readers, this is going to cement their loyalty loyalty to you better than just about anything else you could ever do. Okay, because it lets them know that you are like them. Okay, it lets them know that the kind of things they like to read—that's what you're going to talk about. That's what you're going to write. Okay. And then there's the fact that you're not saying buy my book, buy, buy my book, buy my book. And that gives, you know, you're offering them value and making them feel included and like they're part of this tribe without pushing a sale at them. Okay. So this is the first one I send um, after the intro emails. And it's really, really important. It will up your engagement of your list. You'll get more people talking to you, more people that are interested, and it will cement their loyalty to you as an author. So here is a um, example. This is one of them that I use. This is literally a snapshot of an email that I use. And I apologize. I know it's a little bit small, but like I said, I'm going to give you um, the template for this. And also I included this example. So you'll have it. You don't have to worry about taking notes or copying it down. Um, plus the video will live inside the face. I, I didn't actually say that at the beginning. These videos will live inside the Facebook group until next Thursday or well through next Thursday. It's so like midnight next Thursday. Um, so you can watch them as many times as you want until then. Okay. So this is um, one of my crime fiction ones. And this is one of the genre reinforcement 
emails. Notice I the uh, subject line up here at the top, it says, no need to hide what you read here. Do you ever feel like hiding what you read? Does anyone ever look at you strangely when you tell them you read crime fiction, saying things like, I can't read that stuff in the dark? I get this all the time. For me, it's usually more like, what's a nice Christian girl like you doing writing books about serial killers? LOL, or something along those lines. But here's something I learned from horror author Michael Brent Collins. There is a specific reason certain types of people like the crime mystery and horror genre. It's because we truly do find hope in it. Now, there are plenty of naysayers out there who would argue that you can't possibly find hope in stuff as dark as crime, mystery, and horror, but that is not the case. I've got to move a banner here so I can see this. There we go. It boils down to this. The farther one slides into darkness, the further they have to go to claw their way back for redemption. So we like stories of darkness, not for the darkness itself, but for the empowerment that arises from overcoming that darkness and fighting fighting one's way back into the light. That might translate into killing the monster, rescuing the captive, bringing the criminal to justice, solving the mystery of crime, or simply righting a horrific wrong. So if you love reading dark stories in which the main protagonist has to claw their way tooth and nail in a visceral battle back into the light, and many people in your real life simply can't understand why you're drawn to that, you're among friends. We are all the same, no, sorry, we're all in this together and we can all relate. Bring on the dark stories, my friends. We are not afraid of the darkness. Your fellow dark and twisty reader, Weasel. Okay, so if you don't write crime fiction, you're gonna have to tailor this to whatever you do write. Talk about the sappy romance that you love. Talk about, um, you know, the, the fantasy world or the sci-fi world or any aspect you want. Like I said, if you remember that other slide, you can talk about characters, you can talk about situations, you can talk about tropes, anything you can think of. But what this tells the reader is that you are their people and they want to stay on your list. Okay. Any questions about that? Sorry, once again, there's a little bit of a delay. Okay, the second set of emails that I am going to talk to you about is the about your book emails. And I'm sure you can understand why. I'm just skipping down to them. These are the ones that are specific to us as authors. These you are gonna use to introduce your book and give them more information about it, okay? Usually, remember I told you that in the sequence, you actually send three of them in a row. I usually, the first one I send is a behind the scenes of how I wrote it. So talk about how you conceived the story, talk about um, you know any experiences you had while writing it, any funny behind the scenes stories, um, anything like that. Then for the next two, I usually have them meet a main character or a supporting character, and you absolutely can use world building um, to give them the stakes. This is where you're gonna do your pretty heavy duty selling to your list. You're gonna include things like reviews and even sample chapters in the body of the email. I will go into more detail about what this means, but including them in the, in the body of the email is what's most important here. Um, okay, so this is just a sample of one of my emails that I wrote. I start by talking about the freebie that I gave them to be on my list. I hope you've had a chance to read Lost Diamond Girls. That's the freebie, or at least start it. Let me ask you something. How do you like Cody Oliver? He's one of the um, detectives in that book. Are you connecting with him? If you want to know more about him and his backstory, including how he and Alex met, it's told in my first standalone crime novel, The Botanist. Check it out below. I've also included some sample chapters at the bottom of the email so you can decide if the story is for you. So this picture right here, this is me um, putting kind of the blurb and the cover in there. You can kind of see the end of it here. I had to cut it in half to make it big enough. Um, and then down here, as you can see, I have a review, which is just something that I took a snapshot of from Amazon. 
Now this is me talking again. I thought you might like some background on how and why the story all came about. Several years ago, my younger siblings, who were teenagers at the time, worked on a dude ranch in southern Utah. I was about five, it was about a five and a half hour drive to get there into the most remote desert regions of our state. Um, on and on and on. And I tell about how I came up with the story. And then I have another review. And I just kind of tell the backstory, what happened, how it came about. And then I do have one buy link here, download the botanist on your favorite retailer. And then there is another review. These should all be, I'm sure you can figure out five star reviews. And then here, I just have the very top of this where I put the chapters, the first few chapters into the bottom of the, of the email. Okay, so let's go back and talk about each of these parts again. People really are interested in knowing your behind the scenes and how you came up with the story. In fact, if you have an interesting story about how you came up with it, they're actually more likely to read the book because that's interesting to them, okay? You are putting in reviews, which really qualifies the book. If this isn't even something that's really conscious on the part of the reader, it's kind of subconscious. If they can see that other people liked it, then that makes them want to read it more. So put those five-star reviews in there. But at the same time, this really isn't being overly salesy and cramming it down their throat. This is just something they can read and they can take it or leave it, okay? Um, you do have the download link if they want to buy it, but notice that it's not buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Do you wanna buy my book? Would you like to buy my book? Make sure and get my book. It's not that. It's just really kind of unassuming download link. Now, the chapters, the reason for the chapters put in there, this is, this is something that I started experimenting with a little over a year ago. So what happened was I basically had two projects I needed to work on. One of them was going to be backburnered because the other one I had like a deadline that it needed to get done first. So I decided that what I would do is I would write one chapter of the backburnered project every week. And then all the rest of the days I would work on the other one until it was done. And what I started doing is sending excerpts to my list from that work in progress, the, the backburnered one. And I wasn't sending very much. It is a long book. It's a high fantasy. So it's going to end up being a very long book. Like, Game of Thrones doorstopper kind of thing. So I had a lot of words I could work with. And I was sending them just like about a thousand words every week in the newsletter. You guys, if you if your writing style is good and if you can edit enough to have something that's passable um, before you send it, that works better to sell your book than anything you will ever do. Because you're just like the lead magnet, you're giving them a taste of the book. And if you can get them into the first few chapters of the book, the odds of them buying it go up astronomically. With this series that I've been doing this with, it is the first time I've had people actually salivating to get this book. I mean, every week I'm getting emails saying, when is the book coming out? Can I be a beta reader? Where can I get the rest of this? I, I can't wait to get the rest of this. I, I love this. And, and where are you going with the characters? And I, I mean, a million other things. Okay. I've never had that with any other book, but I am with this one. And it is specifically because I'm putting chapters, sample chapters that they can read into the email. So what I recommend is that across these three emails that are about my book emails, each time put a chapter or two at the bottom of the email. So here I put chapter, um, I think I even said how much it was. Hang on, let me see. No, maybe I didn't. Okay. Anyway, I think it's the first two chapters in this email. And then I put three and four in the second email, five and six in the second, in the third email. You really, and, and believe me guys, this is true. It, I wouldn't obviously put the entire book in the email because then they have no reason to buy it, but you really could put all of the chapters up until the climactic point and they would still buy it because they are so invested in it at that point. They've read so much of it that they got to find out how it ends. Now, I'm not saying you should do that. Like I said, I only put five or six chapters over the course of three emails, but 
I've noticed the click rate and the buy rate from my list go way up from this because they get into the book, you're giving them a free taste of it, and then they want to keep reading. So you send them two chapters for, per email over three emails. And in the last one, just make sure and tell them, I'm not going to send you any more sample chapters. If you want to read this, here's the buy link. And it works very, very well. Now, one other quick caveat. Um, a lot of people, and the way that I was originally taught to do this was to put a link, like put the first, you know, five free chapters or whatever it is um, into a document and put it on book funnel or something. That I found does not work. Okay. The, the click rate was way, way low. And it's because people don't want to navigate from your email to another platform and download the free chapters. Okay. So again, it kind, kind of like we kind of know this about paid ads, the more times they have to click, you're going to lose them and they're not going to actually buy it. Same thing here. If they have to click away from the email to another platform to download it, your, your click through rate is going to be really, really low. I have found that if you put you know, just copy and paste a couple of chapters into the body of the email, it's already there and they are already reading your newsletter. They will go through and read that. Okay. So I've got way higher readership for, again, this book that I'm sending excerpts of because I'm putting it in the body of the email. Okay. So that's like a really small thing, but it makes all the difference in the world. And that is how you introduce them to your book. Now, remember I said before that you can guide your list through your email or through your, um, through your backlist this way, your subscribers. This is how you do it. You figure out, you know, what your lead magnet is. And then let's say you only have one book when your book comes out, or maybe in the three or four weeks leading up to your book coming out, send them sample chapters so that they are primed, ready to go. They've already read, um, things that have to do with the characters and the world. And they've read the first few chapters and trust me, your buy rate will go way, way up. So um, I'm going to tell you a little known secret, especially among authors. Most authors hate marketing. They hate talking about themselves. They, they just think it's slimy and they don't like it, right? That's what most of you have told me. And so I think that's how most of you feel. That's how I felt for a long time. But marketing should be fun. It really should. It should be flirting, okay? You are, you are using your book, not yourself. Don't think of it that way. Your book and your characters to flirt with your audience, okay? So what I usually do, I talked about how I have the first email that is the backstory of how I wrote it. After that, I know, remember I mentioned that you can have them um, be introduced to a main character or even a secondary character. I usually have the character write the email. So it's in the character's voice. And when you do that, you're just gonna talk about the stakes. You're gonna talk about what the character is up against, what their background is like. Um, you know, what it is they're doing in the book, obviously not giving spoilers, but basically your blurb, what your hook for the book is, you're going to turn that into an email that is written by your characters. And that is how you get your characters to flirt with your audience. Okay. They, they want to know, um, who this character is. They want to read more about them if you write it in the character's voice. So I have a character who is actually a time traveler and I actually, he's one that shows up in a lot of different genres. Um, and, you know, people who read across all my genres start to look for him. But he's also kind of funny. He's got a, a kind of quirky personality. And I have him write the email where he just talks about his past. And then he talks about what his stake in this book is and what's going on. And, you know, focus on the emotion of the book. We all know we have to tell stories with emotion. And then I have him be kind of quirky and snarky. And I'll, like, sometimes have a conversation with him in the email. And guys, people, my my 
my subscribers love that. It's, it's like their favorite thing to read. I've actually gotten emails with them asking for more emails like that. That's not even the book. They just want me to write more emails like that. Okay. You're entertaining them. You're, um, giving them something to read that's fun. And it doesn't have to be funny. Like I was saying, my character's funny. It can be sad. It can be, you really just want to focus on the hook of the book. What are the stakes? What is this character up against? How do they feel about that? And it makes them, it endears them to the character, right? Because this character is flirting with them. And then they start to go, okay, wait, what book is this character in now? And, you know, bada bing, bada boom, you just made a sale because you introduced your character to your audience, okay? So I already talked about seven touches of marketing and writing these emails. If you can get at least seven emails in to your subscriber, that counts as the seven touches of marketing. Okay. You're talking about your genre. You're talking about what they love to read. You're introducing them to your characters. You're introducing them to your world, giving them a few sample chapters. Trust me, this works for selling books. And this is what people aren't really doing in our space. Yes. I mean, we do pieces of it. We do some of it. We, um, send some of these things in our newsletters and things like that. But if we're very intentional with it and use um, the psychology of our readers to introduce them to our book, what that does is it nurtures them. Like I said, it makes them very loyal to us as writers. And by the time that book is published, you already have an audience that's interested in that book. And I can attest to this, okay? This book that I keep telling you about that I'm sending excerpts from, it is a high fantasy book. It is actually not published yet. It will be out in the next few months. And literally I have probably 500 people salivating to get it, who, who email me regularly and say, when is this coming out? When is this coming out? I don't care about anything else. Stop working on what you're working on. Finish this. You know, I want this. That is because of my email marketing. That is because, um, in great part, because I'm sending them those sample chapters. Okay. It just works. So here's that homework that I mentioned that I would like you to do. Um, I would like you to comment just on in the comments of this video, your ideas for genre reinforcement emails. So think about your characters, your tropes, your world building, even if, you know, world building is much easier for high fantasy worlds, right? When you have a lot of stuff to work with, but even if you are writing contemporary romance, say, um, talk about the world of the character, you know, what is their world about? And, and, and you can deal with the type of romance it is and the situation they're in or the fact that when you have romance a lot of you know many of the characters are lonely because they haven't found love i mean anything that works for your genre so i want you to comment those um on this video and then go through and read through the comments of other people because that will help to give you ideas for your genre reinforcement emails you might have someone who writes something in a different genre and so maybe you couldn't use it directly but it will give you an idea of something to use in your genre okay so you will get your own ideas and help them with theirs and remember that everybody who uh, comments and does the homework will be entered into a giveaway for a 25 dollars gift card tomorrow okay so um this is the PDF that will have the workshop emails. I will also put it as a clickable link in the group when we're done with this. But tell me, is this resonating with you? I mean, or do you have any questions about this or how, how do you feel about what we've talked about today with email marketing? Give you a minute to uh, answer since we've got a little bit of a... <laughs> okay, someone says I'm terrible at flirting too, but you know what, that's okay because this isn't you flirting, um, this is your character's flirting. So you got to use your character to connect with your audience. Okay. So people are feeling good about this. Good. Good. So um, what I will say is that, yes, I love it. Oh, good. I'm glad you love it. <laughs> um, so go ahead and go to this um, 
bit.ly forward slash workshop emails. Um, and you can get the templates and you can start plugging them in right away. There we go. Now the comments are coming in a little faster. This is great. Yep. You're always afraid of bugging people. You're welcome. Um, now to translate it into my brand and my books. Yes. Just keep in mind that as long as you're sticking to your genre, your readers want to read books in your genre. So stick to that brand based on your genre and your tropes and you will do just fine. Okay. Don't overthink it too much. As authors, we definitely tend to overthink it. Um, since I have a superhero novel and an email on how we fantasize about being superheroes. Yes. Yes. That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, excited to get going. Useful ideas, contemporary romance. Yeah. So, okay. So Athena is talking about, um, her main character in her contemporary romance lives in DC and it's her favorite talk about the cherry blossoms, which are her favorite thing about DC. That's a really great way to do, to use the world building aspect. And I didn't, I didn't touch on the world building aspects too much, but that that's perfect at the end. That's a really, really great idea. Um, you can also use the villain again. It, it depends on what genre you're writing. The, the villain or the antagonistic force looks different, but especially if you're doing, you know, fantasy or something, Think about if you're writing, let's just say that we were writing Lord of the Rings, right? And <clears throat> nobody in the world had read that yet. You might talk about how Frodo lives a peaceful uh, life in the Shire. Little does he know that there's an evil warlord trying to take over the outside world and that's going to shatter his peace. And you know what I mean? You're talking about the stakes of the novel, the stakes that are inherent in that world to draw the reader in. Um, feeling hopeful. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, what else have we got? The fiance villain. Yes, I agree, Athena. <laughs> the fiance villain is fun. Um, great. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing these ideas come in. You guys, these are great. These are great. I'm so I'm so glad that you're um, that this is getting your mind thinking and you're thinking of these things. So um, I only went through the two and that's those are the um, templates that I gave you in this PDF. So I'm going to challenge you to, of course, do the homeworks so that you get in on the um, uh, the giveaway for the drawing tomorrow, but take these templates and see how you can implement them into your sequence. Okay. Um, I would really, really recommend that you write a few, maybe even five or 10 and send them out periodically in your email responder so that you're nurturing in the background. But keep in mind that you can also use these every once in a while in your live newsletter that you do every week or every month or how, however often that you send. And they'll still work the same way. It's just nice to do it up front and set it on a schedule so that you're not having to do it every week, you know, that sort of thing. All right. Um, and, uh, one of the things that I teach my clients is how to do all of these different emails. Um, on Thursday, I will give you kind of an opportunity to maybe learn some more from me about this email sequence and, and more of the details. But for now, um, does anybody have any questions? Oh, people are saying it's not working. Okay, hold on. Let me, if it's not working, I will. Yeah. Okay. Well, Give me one second. If it's not working, I will look at it and get it fixed and I will post it in the group in just a minute. I'll make sure that you get it. Okay. I've had some glitchiness the last few days, so I'm not sure why it's not working, but I will make sure that it does. And if I need to, I can even post the PDF or the, uh, yeah, the free PDF in the group. So give me just a minute and I will, after the, after we go offline here and I will make sure that it works, it is working. Okay. So any last minute questions before we stop for the day? If, even if you come up with questions after we're done, you can put them in the comments and I will go through and answer as many as I can, okay? So 
go ahead and do your homework and I will look into that PDF and make sure that it's working and post it in the group. And yeah, then come back tomorrow and we are gonna talk a little bit more about how you can bake marketing into your story and into the writing of your story. And remember that Storycraft is your base of the pyramid. So that's very, very important. And I'm excited to talk to you about how to do that, okay? So happy writing, everyone. Go and put this into practice and let me know how it goes for you. And I will see you tomorrow, okay? Uh, let's see. Now if I can just figure out this.